Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration He's a lot of and friends with some revelations Little known fact of the day Every little thing's gonna be A-OK A-OK Little known fact about my guest today She loves public radio as much as I love ice cream Welcome, Nikki M. James, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Everyone, I am over the moon, and I don't use that term often or lightly, but I'm truly over the moon that Nikki M. James is here with me today. So welcome Hi. to Little Known Facts. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to be here. I um. There are many cast recordings that I love, and many from my childhood okay. that remain, you know, iPod favorites. But yes, I still use an iPod, and oh, I'm great. not afraid to say that out loud. But it's still working, so that's like that's like very more than most people can say about their iPod. That's right. It's green. It weighs like 700 pounds, and people are like, <laughs> it holds what like is that? four songs at <laughs> exactly. a time, and you are all for them. But uh, the Book of Mormon is one of the most extraordinary. Uh, 
long-lasting shows for so many reasons. Um, you, my friend, I'm not sure you are aware or remember, but you won a Tony Award? I do, I remember that. Yeah. It's nice to be reminded every yeah. once in a while. I could feign surprise, but no, it's like sitting above my television, I look at it every day. You so. do? Yeah. So, it's been a few years, mm -hmm. and the thing that I thought was so special when you won that award, and when you gave your speech, what became so clear to everyone on the planet watching that night is the kind of seamlessness between the innocence, kindness, and heart um, of the character that you played yeah. and who you are was kind of awe-inspiring. Yeah. That part of why uh, that character, whose name was... Nabalungi. Nabalungi um, landed for all of us and resonated is because she was who we aspire to be. Yeah. Yet when I spent, you know, many, many hours uh, with you at home stalking you on my computer <laughs> and then when I was outside your building just watching you and you didn't know, that's who you are. Yeah. And so can you just tell me a little bit, like everyone has an origin story. Sure. And there's the origin, the literal origin story of like I was born in New Jersey, but also like this. I was born in New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey. <laughs> um, I think you're I my you first Jersey me. girl. Oh, yeah. We could talk about that for hours. Okay. Um, do you think our audience would really love that? <laughs> We're just going to talk about Bergen County it's right true. now. And the malls and, and the, the malls. diners. But there is something like a sisterhood yeah. uh, of people who understand the proximity to New York City, but not actually yep. living in New York City. It's They're worlds apart, oh. even though it's like a small bridge or yeah. tunnel. So you sing uh, better than really most anyone on the planet. And there had to be a moment where that didn't just become clear to like your mom and dad, um, but maybe to you too. And how did that discovery happen? So the very first time I sang in front of anybody, including my parents in any real sort of way, like I wasn't, I don't have stories of them saying like, you sang at home and we knew. Um, my kindergarten graduation, I was my kindergarten teacher whose name I wish I could remember. I wish we could phone um, a friend right now. We probably could call her, uh, call, call up my mother, who yeah. wouldn't remember either. She's like, my mother. So there may be somebody She else. didn't even remember to pick me up most days. But um, <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you. Um, That's also another show. <laughs> yes. uh, we'll get to that. Um, no, but um, she assigned me to sing The Greatest Love of All at my kindergarten graduation. And I've, I have lots of photos. No videos, because it was the mid-'80s. Right. But, um, Something happened, and that was the same year I saw my first Broadway musical. Which was? Um, Cats. And I will tell you that um, I have not for a second since then even considered doing anything else with my life. So you were how old? I was six. Right. And um, Were there, so there weren't cast recordings in your house or like not Broadway yet. musicals in your? Not yet. Orbit. By the time I was in the second grade is when I became fully obsessed, full, like crazy, crazy obsessed with all the records. We would rent movie musicals from like the Blockbuster video. I've seen all of them. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and yeah. Easter Parade, all these like old school musicals from the golden age of musicals on film. And then um, also the mid-80s was Andrew Lloyd Webber time. So right. it was like Cats and Phantom of the Opera. And I also loved Les Miserables, but I was also obsessed with Guys and Dolls. And, um, and you said like growing up close to the city, my parents really indulged this love, and we would come in and do the TKTS booth, you know, once a month as a treat, my mom and I. And so 
they made it seem totally possible. Uh-huh. It was not like a totally possible to do it or totally possible to go see other people do it. Both. Uh-huh. Both. I think being able to see that they were real people, like not just hearing them in your head, right. not just fantasizing about what it might look like, but to like go to the theater and see them walk out and then go to Sam's restaurant for lunch and see the actor who you just saw in Guys and Dolls or Damn Yankees. Like I just think, I just fell in love with the medium. I fell in love with the fantasy of it. And if I'm being like totally honest, I think there was like, I was, I was raised by two immigrants and I was raised in a mostly, you know, white town in mm -hmm. New Jersey. Um, we were middle class, but I didn't have a lot of, I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me, like in the world on television right. and that. And there was something about the, the world of musical theater where um, like literally anything can happen and anyone can be anything. It was very, I don't know why it spoke to me. It did, and um, I've were you never... seeing people of color on stage, or I was were you seeing sh like yourself reflected back in that way, or more the love and passion for this form? I think it was the love and passion. There was a bit of seeing people who looked like me. Audra McDonald was like coming up in the mm -hmm. when I was around ten or eleven. She did great. Yeah, she really succeeded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she like she has like oh, six of the trophies. She's mm -hmm. my one trophy times six or seven or however mm -hmm. many she has. Like she can't even hold them all. She can't. Um, she has someone who walks around like with a basket. <laughs> yeah, or like a little cart where yes. people put their dogs in. She just she has, has six like, Tonys. No, those sad strollers. <laughs> You're like, she's like, what's in there? Yes, she's got that. Great. Um, yeah, and I just think. The other thing was when you participating in like community theater, they would just cast whoever. Like girls played boys, boys yeah. played girls. I played. But did you start doing that like yeah. outside your school? By the time I was in third grade, we had a really great um, community theater troupe in Livingston. And is that I, where you're from? Yeah, and we just like, I did a production of The Hobbit and A Christmas Carol and all kinds of shows with other kids and. I just fell madly and deeply in love with this. Do you world. have siblings? I have an older brother. So was he like, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is like, um, he's my best friend and he's the coolest person. He's the best God, big brother. All I want. I, it, he's older? Yeah, but How six years? years. Okay. That's the, I think that's the key. Weirdly. I have to do it again? Yeah. Okay. I think the key is like the six year difference, mostly because by the time I was like, into things, he was like into his own thing. So right. we were never competing for attention. You know, by the time I'm 12, he's already in college, like, you know. But he chose to be my friend. He was a big fan, you know. He wanted to spend time with me and do things with me instead of with his friends. It was really. This I, is my dream for one of my kids. They don't have to win Tonys or <laughs> be on Little Known Facts uh, 3.0, but just that they will talk about each other yeah. with that kind of love and respect and. he's the coolest person in the world. So wait, where are your parents from? My mom is from Haiti, and my dad is from St. Vincent. And he was a singer, actually, not never professionally, but he like wrote music and was in a band back in St. Vincent, which is a British West Indy. And they met at a house party in Queens, in like Flushing. And the story my mom <laughs> Only tells- Only you can make Flushing sexy. Yeah, I mean flushing like Flushing. Flushing you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, uh, you know, under the, under the- Were they like young? Like how old were they when yeah, they met? Yeah, my mom was 19. Really my dad young. was like, 21 and my mom tells the story that he asked her to dance at this like sort of party and my mom was like really shy and 
um, and actually all my aunts and uncles and her parents thought she was gonna become a nun, so she was actually kind of a prude too. A nun at a house party. Yeah. I so wanna see that movie. I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. So she's at this party and my dad asked her to dance and she says fine and they're dancing. And she said all she remembers is that he was singing along with the music in her ear as a way to like sort of impress her. But um, she just found it like pretty irritating, but something like, about why are him. You yeah, there. she's like yeah. stop it with this. But then they, uh, yeah, they fell in love and then they made two kids. <laughs> who were really good friends. Yeah, who were really good friends. Does your brother sing also? No. God, no. He's terrible. And so is my mom. Were there other, so I don't know how they ended up in Livingston, yeah. uh, but they did. Yes, they did. Um, were there other kids with immigrant parents in your world, or were you sort of dealing with yeah, that no, on your own? I think we were We were pretty much the only ones. And. You know, I think there was like a bit of like an American dream, take your, you know, buy the house that you can, the best house that you can afford in the nicest neighborhood. My parents were both immigrants. They made life for themselves. Did they, they have other Queens. family around? Yeah, and we had other family close by. My my mother's Haitian family is actually pretty close knit and they had fled Haiti. Well, not fled, but they had sort of left Haiti in the 60s during some political upheaval. So okay. there was so they'd a lot been here for a while. Yeah. Okay. So there was a lot of family here. And, um, but yeah, I think I was the, I remember feeling like the only one like me mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. Well, by the way, yeah. yeah. You yeah, are the only one like you. Yeah. And that, when you're, when you're 10, you don't want to be different. You want to be just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And no matter how hard I tried, I remember feeling like there was something that like I couldn't, I wasn't quite, couldn't quite fit in. I couldn't wear, get, do my hair the way the girls did their hair. And I didn't want to lay out in the sun all summer long, you know? Like right, like you're in suburbia <laughs> yes. in New Jersey. Yeah. What, so this is in the 90s? 90s, yeah. Yeah. It was a really interesting time. And then I had this thing, this extraordinary gift that I'd been given. So that was um, yeah. something I was thinking about, like the greatest love of all. I, I mean, I won't make you sing it right now, <laughs> but I kind of want you to sing it right now. Um, did you know that song? No. So you learn it for this thing. Yeah. And everyone, I'm sure everyone was like, oh, Shocked. what just, wow, she's really good. Good. I was really good. Yeah. And you saw that like people are responding yeah. to that. When you felt, when you say you kind of felt like you were different and from sun to all sure, sorts of yeah. hobbies, um, are you gaining like sort of local notoriety in bit. the parts that you're playing? And that feels good. Yeah, a little bit. And you're seeing shows in New York. Seeing shows in New York. But not auditioning professionally. Not yet. So have <laughs> That's right. So how do you like make that? This is a good story. Okay. I was 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. This girl, Ann Papalizio, who okay, was Okay, I'm in, sorry, what? Ann Papalizio. Okay. Who may be watching this. Hi, Ann. Um, she had an agent and and she would like sort of brag about it. And I was like, how does she have an agent? Yeah. Is so she like, like a community theater person? Yeah, she was like a girl I knew from school who was Anne. like, she played Anne Frank in the local production of Anne Frank, obviously. That, she's you can always get talented. an agent with a part Yeah, like I that. think so. Yeah. And so um, I remember telling my parents, I think I was like, I think I'm ready to do this professionally. My mom was like, what does that even mean? Mm. They sent me to the library. I bought, I got like Michael Shirtleff's audition book. I asked the local 
pack magazine store to get Backstage Magazine. And um, I saved a little bit of money from babysitting and I got my first headshot from oh like an advertisement oh in the back God. of a magazine that yes. doesn't even exist in the same way it did then. It was right. a weekly magazine. And the, the guy at the pack store was Do like- Do you still use that photo? Uh, I wish. I found it just the other day. I feel like my it's photo terrible. Like, Were you 12 It was terrible. I mean, it was, anyway, I did a mailing. I don't think it was terrible. And I got a phone call. Yeah. From? Um, an agency yeah. to come in for an interview. And this all happened. And um, I, got, I signed with a manager. This was 1994, so I was 13. Oh my and, God. Um, or almost 13. And my manager is still representing me to this day. She's like a member of my family. Wow. She's been through all these amazing ups and some pretty low lows with me. And she sent me a photo that she recently found moving offices, my first sh meeting sheet with her, with a little Polaroid. I'm wearing a shirt that says fashion. <laughs> it says the word fashion and then it has a picture of a chick, like a baby chick, uh -huh. fashion chick. And I like have my hand on my hip and, and uh, she Were there had notes, notes on it? Yeah, the note was like, Ken Sing. And I was like, Elise, what do you mean Ken Sing? Yeah. She was like, I wasn't, it was just saying like that you sing. Yeah, I think you mean better than anybody, <laughs> but okay. You know what, you're about to leave her after yeah. all these years. It's if like, she wrote that <laughs> back yeah. then, yeah. you didn't even believe me. You didn't get me. it, yeah. But um, yeah, so we like, I started working professionally and my parents were, my, like I said, my brother was already in college. So at this point I'm kind of an only child and my parents were really, happy to drive me in and out of the city for auditions. I wasn't allowed to do anything that took me out of school. So okay. any this whole thing, the professional acting thing, as far as my parents were concerned, was just an extension of my hobby. How, so. I'm just thinking like I have kids your age, my son turned 13 recently, like that kind of clarity mm -hmm. about what you wanted to do, I think a lot about confidence. Yeah. You know, what's environment and, and like what is nurture versus nature? Yeah. Like where did this, obviously you had like God-given talent and then yeah. the ability to like get to do it and people recognizing uh -huh. it, but that confidence, like where does that come from? No idea. And where does it go? Mm. Because that's the thing. Like I think about that girl. Yeah. I think about this girl. I made a website when I was 12 with my friend Shannon that said Nikki and Shannon, Broadway 2000. <laughs> I would write letters backstage to Broadway stars. Right. In fact, okay. Here we go. When you were doing Charlie Brown, Yeah. I made Anthony Rapp have a meeting with my friend Shannon and I because we did a senior, we did a project about the show and the life of an actor and we like met with him and we went and we sat at like a little cafe and he answered all of our questions because he's the kindest Because person. he's Anthony yeah. and if you were, did you know him from Rent I already? Were uh -huh. you like a Rent a head? Oh yeah. Right, so to be doing your good man Charlie Brown and it was such a strange like to have the Rent fans, yep. and which was anything from goth to to like super super sweet Midwestern, like it could yep. be anything, or Japanese people, oh, yeah. right? Like all over the world, um, then become Charlie Brown fans was this fascinating because usually the fans for you're a good man, Charlie Brown, like love girl skaters, right? right? Like it's a very <laughs> certain, and these were like just amazing people, yep. um, like yourself who really felt rent and then understood Anthony's 
arc into mm -hmm. Charlie Brown and how Mark Cohen and Charlie Brown had similarities similar, yeah. in all of these ways. But that doesn't surprise me at all that Anthony would meet yeah. with you because he's a yeah. gem of a human. She's an incredible person. But I just think back, like, I would never have the cojones yeah. to do or even speak out loud some of the things that I stated as a between the ages of like 13 and 18 as fact. Right. The future of my life is this. This is what I want. This is what I never. And it's not that I thought I was the most talented or the had the best voice. I still don't. I work very hard at that. But I just it didn't occur to me that I would be given this desire and love if it was not going to be mine to have at some point. It's incredible. And now as a grown up, I think, oh my gosh, like, what if that had gone badly for that girl? Like, right. who? Well, by the way, it does for most. Yeah. That is uh -huh. definitely the trajectory for most people. Yeah. So I have to spend some time on, I mean, you've done, the, you've done so many things. Sure. And, and Mormon was not your Broadway debut. Mm -mm. Um, but it was the thing that allowed many more people to get to know you yeah. on a much larger scale. Um, although I would imagine your Broadway debut was kind of the most incredible, like maybe they're neck and neck in terms of like breaking yeah. through for the dream. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you made your Broadway debut in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Which was a short-lived show. You can say a flop. It was a flop. It was a flop. <laughs> um, but the flops got to have their playbills on the walls of Joe yes, Allen. So absolutely. there's an absolute like legacy mm -hmm. to those flops. They're honored in, an, in a whole other way. They really are. Um, but, but you went through that thing where you get the thing that yep. you think is going to change everything. And it does in your heart, but then it closes. Yep. Uh, was that a hard show to get? Or did that sort of come easily to you? Um, the process of so getting it, that. It didn't, it wasn't actually a hard show to get. I was auditioning while still in school, so I was still in college when Had I you did auditioned for other Broadway shows before that? I had a few. Okay. And I'd gotten close on a few. But and you're not allowed to audition when you're, you're in college. You're not supposed to. Uh -huh. I break a lot of rules, clearly. Yes. It was like, so, oh, well, that rule doesn't apply to me. Yeah. And it was the summer, so how can they tell me what I can or cannot do during my summer vacation? Right. So I auditioned for it. We did a reading. And um, I actually was auditioning for the part of Becky Thatcher. So at the time, it was really interesting and pretty forward-thinking. They were not, well, they were seeing people everybody. of all ethnic backgrounds for yeah. these like sort of very iconic parts. And everybody knows that Becky Thatcher, I mean, there's plot points that would make it tricky if we, mm -hmm. if we were doing Huckleberry Finn, mm -hmm. which we weren't. Um, but anyway, I got really close and I got the job as the understudy. And I, I, I will never forget, um, I was, my mother and I, so um, my father passed away when I was a senior in high school. And um, Was he sick for a long time he, or no. was it shocking? It was shocking. Not that uh, it would be a, shocking right, exactly. either way. It's always horrible. Um, he had a stroke. And so he was, that was sudden, but then it took a few weeks for things to, but I, that's like probably the single most like defining thing of my mm -hmm. adult life of, of how I became the person I am now versus maybe who I may have been. When you that say happened. that, like what words or images are seeing in your head? Obviously there's the loss and yeah. the love, but what does that mean? There was like a sense of, um, of I gained a sense of independence. I had to, uh, I gained an appreciation for things like, and also 
knowing that you don't need things. It was hard on my mom. She mm -hmm. was sending me to college and the loss of income of, you know, the main breadwinner. We, my mother sold her house. The other thing is like, and this is why I bring it up, my, my brother, my mother and I, my brother and I were always close. I was close to my mother, but we became this, um, sometimes loss can tear people apart and sometimes loss builds people together. And we became these like, three amigos. We became very close and honest with each other. It created a sense of not wanting to wait to tell people things, bad and right. good. And um, I was in Washington, D.C. visiting my brother, who at the time was living there. He was in law school or just finishing law school. And, um, and we'd gone to visit him, my mother and I, for the weekend. And that's when we got the call. And we were all together. And it felt exactly right. Right that we would be together. Cause How long was this after your dad had passed two away? Two years. Uh -huh. So it was pretty fresh. And so I remember making my Broadway debut at 2000 and in 2001, a few years after my father, very shortly after my father had passed, was this incredible, um, this bittersweet moment, because I'm accomplishing this thing that my mm -hmm. father had supported. But I also became acutely aware in that moment um, how close I feel to him when I'm performing. And that has never gone away, especially when I'm on stage. In a way that was different than when he was alive? Yeah. And can you share, I mean, you said during your Tony speech, yeah. like you feel like he's, he's there. there. And I think that's an image that, that people can really, yeah. like the angel on your shoulder. Yeah. But what does that feel like? Is Are there words for no, it? No, but do you know, like this, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm like a, a hokey pokey person, you know, like well, I read- Well, show is all about yeah. the hokey pokey. I mean, like I read newspapers and stuff too. And, yeah. um, and I believe in science, but I also believe in like that we don't know everything. And there's a thing that happens when you're when you're really performing, especially on stage, mm -hmm. in that sweet spot of a moment where, I hesitate to say this, but I, but I wanna be, you know, where you're sort of somewhere in between your conscious present, like where I can look around this room and this like other world. Mm -hmm. When I went to see what the constitution meets, means to me, yeah, she say. uses that word penumbra. Yeah. And I think that when you're performing, there are moments where you actually enter this sort of penumbra moments. I don't know, like a, some people feel it when they're like brushing their teeth where you're present, but you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think in those moments, it's when I'm aware that there are, that there are more energies than what we can see, that there's more. And I, I always feel like those are the moments when I can be close to the people who I love who are not present, in particular, my dad. And so it's, that's a thing that happens that I, I've never even really tried hard to put words to it, but that's what I think That's happens. the most yeah. articulate yeah. one can be. Um, so this is gonna feel like such a jump from it. such like a serious, beautiful <laughs> like truth to working with the people who created South Park. Oh, those idiots. Like those idiots and those dum-dums who uh, were able in Book of Mormon to create a world that is both hilarious, <laughs> tragic, moving, yeah. all the things. Um, part of part of its um, allure, and I think why it's been so successful for so long is there are so many entry points uh -huh. and gateways into the story, um, and you are at the center of the show with like Josh Gad, Andrew Reynolds, Rory O'Malley, 
I, I mean, I, I'm naming all the people and you who were nominated for Tonys from that show. <laughs> yeah. Rory was on the show and he was like, I was nominated for a Tony that's basically a number that is all tap and couldn't tap until oh my they told me I was going to do that number. And he learned to tap he worked his ass quite successfully. Yeah, um, I was also like, that's not why he got nominated. Yes, but he's <laughs> like, I don't know how to tap. It's a tap number. Um, what a phenomenal group of people. Um, and Bobby Lopez, of course, yep. who, who, and Casey Nicola, who's just on the show talking about, like, I didn't really have to do much because it was just mm -hmm. the, the amount of genius mm -hmm. collectively. Um, we, most of us just watch South Park on TV or in movies and don't get to actually hang out with Trey and Matt. Uh -huh. um, so are they as funny in person as they are on Yeah, they're script? super funny. The thing that's like most remarkable about them is how wicked smart they are, uh -huh. which is clear because yes. satire is so that hard to do yeah. and so hard to do well. And they're probably doing it better than anyone in the history. You know, they're so smart. What, what I love about them is they actually think everything is absurd. Mm -hmm. Like they don't take very, they take things seriously, but always with the sense of like, isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Um, that we're the most successful yeah. team. Yeah, they're so great. And um, I will say, it's like two things. One, when we got the um, when I got the initial offer to join for a reading in yeah. 2008, they were like, we're doing this musical. It's by the two guys from South Park and Bobby Lopez. We can't send you a script. We can't tell you what it's about. And we can't tell you what character you're playing. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I need insurance weeks. I don't yeah. care. Whatever it is, yeah. I'll do it. I just come home from doing a year of Shakespeare. Like I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, and I walked into the room. And they play us the first little bit. And the first couple of songs are sweet and funny and they seem very musical theater. And mm -hmm. then Hasadiki Iboi comes on, which at the time was a different word. It was? Yeah, it was Vasadiga um, Ilahai, which is actually Swahili for you know what. Uh -huh. And um, they were like, maybe we should make it a fake language. <laughs> like, not real. Because it has the word uh, Allah in it. And it's like, they were just being a little right. And it's funnier if it's complete, not Googleable. Exactly. And um, and I was like, oh, that's what we're doing, right? I'm so in for this. Yeah. I just I thought they were so funny, and I love that they, the only like what they wrote for Nabalungi was the reason why she's funny is because she believes everything people say. Yes. She has such earnestness, and so I'm playing the straight woman essentially to the some of the funniest people I've ever yes, known in my life. Yes, a bunch of clowns. Yeah, literally. and at the time, all of us were we were kids. None of us were big stars. We weren't names yet. Right. We we're just like messing around and, and working so hard. Working so to hard to make this thing. My and husband and I, you know, literally every time we see each other, we're like, did you get my text deck? And <laughs> did you so get my text? Did you get my text? <laughs> we're like, literally, we, my family went to Europe and, and we are literally like on the, the, you know, European version of City Bike, uh -huh. like singing, you know, that cast recording, like yeah. all over the Louvre on our like little, like it is so infectious it's and amazing. It's so great. And and so just to be here with you, this person who like I listen to you all the time, oh and and all the ways in which you figured out to say these really just basic sentences. Um, I mean, even that like, did you get my text? Oh yeah, uh, the little uh, at the end. Mm -hmm. Is that something like? Are those things that you came up with? Was that all in the rhythm it's hard of to the remember. writing? A little. Um, 
some of it was play. And you know what's really great? They were like, we're not trying, because we're not trying to do something that's that real. The accent is whatever feels. You did not fly to Uganda. No, I didn't spend hours. In fact, like we did the opposite of that. We sort of got together and we we said, let's play around with this vocally. How does this sing? Because a lot of times singing in an accent is really difficult. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's it's hard. It's trying on your on your body because you're making shapes that aren't don't feel natural to you. So we really worked on making it completely my own. And what's funny is there are so many moments in that show that are that I remember as input moments from from us and. Mm. You know, the like text, pitching ideas yeah, the just texting in the rehearsal. device, yeah. which came late on later on in the it came later on, the texting device idea. Cause I was like, what if Nabalungi has like a notebook and she's like writing down all the things he said and then Trey and Matt were like, What if it's a typewriter? And we're like, Oh, okay. And that was yeah. maybe like the third or fourth. So there's all these little things where you're like, Oh, I'm a part of that. Like I I collaborated with these people for years and made this thing that when we opened it on Broadway, we literally had no idea if people were gonna throw tomatoes at us uh-huh. and leave in like a huff. And I have to be honest, I think like our climate right now, like I don't know that we could open this show mm. in 2019 in the way we opened it in 2011. That 2011 there would be a welcome world for Yeah, you. it was a different world. Yes. We were a black president, we were like feeling purple, you know, we were did feeling. Did they come, did Obama come to see the play? Um, I, th- n- no. Who were like some of the, because that was the hot, it's still like, I don't even think it's a twofer. I don't know. No, no, no. You, it's still pretty expensive. Yeah. We still sell out. I have this, oh, so. In my texting device, there's a scene where I enter with my texting devices. I go, Baba, I bought this, now I can text all of my friends. And then I sit down and I start messing around with it. And um, we had this system. It's a very bright show, like light-wise, and also the theater is small. So we had a system where we had divided the audience into quadrants and you would call a number it was a th- it was three numbers and you the first number was the quadrant the second number was how many rows up from the front and the third number was how many rows over from the aisle so this was morse code for which celebrities yes, are absolutely. in your audience 100% yeah. so you walk back and you'd be like Jared Leto 432 <laughs> and and I, and I would type it on my typewriter on stage like in our little sort of I'm behind actually, the Jared Leto 432 yeah. I'm going to write that so down so like yeah. I would be like and then um, I just found it. My husband is Dutch, like I said, and yeah. like very tidy. And so every once in a while, he's like, I feel like we need to clean out the closet. I was like, the closet is clean, like whatever. Maybe for Amsterdam, it's not clean. I mean, but for New York it's City, a lot. this is clean. He's yeah. like, well, we should get rid of some stuff. I was like, get rid of your stuff. Yeah. I know what I have. This is Jared Leto, 432. Like, so I found yeah. the sheet of paper. It's a sheet of paper. And I read through the list of names to him just the other day. And it was like, Nancy Pelosi. You know, Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, um, uh, Oprah, Gail, like the names, you know, some people who were like even super famous then who are like sort of less famous now, uh-huh. but like um, James Franco, all these, and they would come back to meet us. Mm-hmm. They would, we would get a call like, oh. Tell uh, Mr. Franco, uh, give me I'm, a minute. I'm on my way, I'm on my way. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, Oprah's here. She would like to come back. And okay. you're like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, I'll okay. rush down. I'll rush right down. Yeah. It was incredible. I just need to take my wig cap off. <laughs> no, I was, yeah. It was just like, there's a lot of pictures of celebrities looking amazing and me looking greasy. It's like, that's how Thanks. that works. That, wah, but, I, but I had like younger skin then. So even in my grease, I just looked so shining. And, you looked happy. Yeah, I was so happy. So 
I was thinking like, it's, I've never been in a show that after I left ran for a really long time. Do you feel like when you walk past the theater, because it's still there, oh, yeah. uh, do you feel like if they opened the stage door and they were like, Nikki, come on in, could you walk on and do it? Do you think you still know it? I know that I couldn't. I know that I, I want to believe that I could, yes. but I definitely couldn't. And I had a panic moment. This is a funny thing. This is like a theater thing. I was visiting my husband, who was at the time just my boyfriend. Who is Dutch. Who is Dutch. Yeah. But he was living in London. And so when we met, he was living in London. I was visiting him in London. And I got a phone call from the company manager for the Book of Mormon. And he said, I hear you're in London. I was like, I'm sorry, do I have like... How? How well, do you hear yeah. that I'm in London? The ankle bracelet that the prison gave you yeah. once you got out? I was yeah. like, what? Are you stalking me? He's like, no, we heard from that you ordered tick, whatever. There was this long story. And they were like, so here's the thing. We're having a bit of an emergency. Um, the Nabalungi is thinking she's sick and both understudies are like out on vacation. What? In the event that you would be free, do you think, if we needed you, do you think you could do it and I was like well I mean I'd love to try but I had a moment where I was like well I listened to the soundtrack and I think some of it is muscle memory yeah but there's little moments like um like those little things like little bits little the way you turn your body to get that one laugh or like little things that you have to sort of be Wait, in it you didn't know? have to do it yeah. It did not come to fruition. It <laughs> no, just it remained the actor nightmare, it did. not the actor. It's literally, it was literally a nightmare. But, it but happened. also, it would have been so exciting. Can you imagine yeah. if I made my West End debut with just one show? Or you just check that off the box? I know. I think I kind of wish you had done it with a sheet of paper. <laughs> Someone just pushing, but me like around. the Marlon Brando <laughs> yes, earwig. Yes, like, yes. Did you get my tech stuff? <laughs> um, you won a Tony. Oh yeah. This is a girl from the age of twelve who was like, and I will become a professional actress and probably maybe practice a speech in some uh -huh, bathroom mirror at yeah. some point. So what happens when the thing, how old were you when you won the Tony? 30, I right. just turned 30. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, when the thing happens that you've been imagining for so long actually happens, mm -hmm. and then, so there's that, and then you wake up the next day like, what's the new dream? So, you know, like, I was this f girl, right? So my, I want to serve my fans. And so my idea was, like, I want to be the actor that when the people say, I'm going to see Tony Award winner Nikki M. James, that I'm, like, great, that I'm still giving it 100%, mm -hmm. that I'm still able to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I remember I woke up the next morning in um, in a hotel room where we had had our party. I'd like rented a little suite. But if like I woke up, the, I didn't know where I was. No, I was. And I was with these people. I was I with didn't these know. people. No, I was in a hotel room. <laughs> yes. And there was a knock on the door at like ten thirty, and it was a messenger to pick up my dress and my shoes and my purse because all the clothes. It's literally a Cinderella moment. Right. And then they take all that away and like the glamour of the night is gone and then you turn around and there's still the trophy. Right. And so it was like this moment. It was like it's things will pass like the, the height of Book of Mormon, the height of people stopping me on the street. That has sort of dwindled. Mm. I've done other things. I've created whole different kinds of career for myself. But the the recognition is like there, mm -hmm. this moment of you did, at one time in your life, all of the stars aligned. You worked with the right people on the right project and it was the right role. And someone said, 
appreciated it. And that's that's it. And that's what it that's what it really means because it doesn't mean I'm better than anyone else because you know they give it out every year. So mm -hmm. there have been eight girls since me. So yeah. and many girls before me. And um, but yeah. And then the new goal was continue to be well to continue to be someone that people wanted to hire and work with. Mm -hmm. Like that's it. And mm -hmm. and figuring out how that works. Figuring out like setting aside my own ego, my own insecurities. Um, to seek out people who are great collaborators. Um, I've had so many directors or friends of mine or people I know who think of me for things that I never think of for myself. Right. You know, doing Shakespeare, and I remember working on a Shakespeare play and being like, oh, I don't do Shakespeare. And the director I was working with said, like, you sing, right? And I was like, yeah, I love singing. I'm very musical. He's like, Shakespeare, if you think about it as music, you'll be fine. You won't be intimidated by it. It's right. music. You can do it. And people saying, like, all these things that have come up since then, um, I'm just excited that I continue to be challenged, right? Instead of having people wanting me to repeat myself over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. So that's an upside. So what is a little known fact about <laughs> you? Um, uh, like a little secret little known fact is that I chew my tongue whenever I'm concentrating on things. Is that painful? No. And I don't know I'm doing it. Uh, so it's just like this thing. Um, another little known fact is I, fact is I am absolutely 100% addicted to public radio. I listen to NPR 24 hours a day, including when I'm sleeping because I'm an insomniac. And I sleep with little ear pods in, AirPods in, while I'm falling asleep so as to not disturb the the Dutch, Dutch husband. Man, the Dutch man laying So if you listen to something while you're sleeping, I used to like think for learning lines. Oh, yeah. That I would just like, I'll just record them I all. I don't think and it works that them. way. No. For me, it's just a way of relaxing. I wake up and I just lay there. Um, so do you, when they do their annual fundraising? Oh, I'm a, sus I'm a sustaining <laughs> member. <laughs> we it's, have you to it's say. It's really intense. Like, my love for public radio is, like, those people are celebrities to me in a very unreal way. So if Terry Gross had come on the same night as Oprah, you would have, like, well, maybe not Oprah. Not you Oprah, not but, like, Oprah almost everyone way, else. But you'd be equally excited. Oh, yeah. So um, for Christmas last year, my sister-in-law bought me two tickets to a live taping of the Brian Lair show. Now, nobody knows who Brian Lair is unless you live in New York City and listen to WNYC from 10 to noon. But that was like. But to me, that's like. Better than a Cartier watch. I mean, a lot of people would get that gift and be like, what the? Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, you, you know, know me. me. You really know me. <laughs> um, I feel like I know you, uh, but really can't wait to like know you even more. Um, but this was like a kind of incredible beginning. I cannot thank you enough for oh, being gosh, here. I can't believe you texted me. You text. Can you tell? Uh, did you get did my text? Did you get text? my text? Turns out you didn't get my text. I didn't get your text stuff. Should we tell everyone? Yes. You could text texted you saying yes. like, I'm here, I'm ready. Yeah, what happened? And then I just Nothing. stood outside. For a long time. And then I time. thought, then I second guessed myself and I was like, maybe I got the wrong date. Nope. Maybe I'm on the wrong street. No, you are not. No, I was in the right place at the right time. Yes. Which is like, those are two. It's like on me. <laughs> because today's discovery, little known fact, there's an unknown sender. Oh, yeah thing on your phone. Um, that's never going to happen again because you're no longer an unknown No, you're going to put me like right in there. Nikki it's going to be like best friend. Nikki I'm going to actually take every other name out of my phone <laughs> and own yours. Thank you for being here. Oh my God, you thanks for having me. You're an angel person. This was like, 
I don't know. I, I just can't imagine uh, enjoying spending time with anyone more. Thanks so, so much. So until the next time. Till the next time. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind the scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Hey, I am so excited to share some news with you guys. For the last few months, I've been working on another project that I've been calling Little Known Facts 2.0, Stage Network, an incredible new streaming platform which promises to be Netflix for theater lovers, asked me to do Little Known Facts as a filmed series, a talk show, as it were, in front of cameras. And I really thought about it for a long time because the thing that's made this podcast so special is that all of my guests have been able to share deep, intimate truths about their lives because we are in this tiny, comforting confessional that is the podcast booth. And I really had to think hard, could I still deliver the same kind of intimate, raw, hilarious, and unique interviews if cameras were involved? But I think I figured it out. And I'm so grateful to Stage Network for allowing me to make my dream of sharing incredible friends with you in this whole new way. So I shot six episodes. The first one uh, is with Ben Platt. Other guests include Celia Keenan-Bolger, Zachary Quinto, George Salazar, Nikki M. James, John Slattery, and I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to share them with you. Stage Network really is an amazing place. Not only is it filled with incredible original content, uh, it has licensed so much theater-related content, documentaries and films and all sorts of incredible programming. I feel like I dreamed up a network and someone else created it and here it is. And the fact that I'm involved in even a small way with this incredible, incredible network is just truly an honor. So to that end, uh, to watch all of the content, including Little Known Facts, the series, go to watchstage.com. Enjoy, and I hope you like it. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.